You're listening to episode 16 of the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. Welcome to the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. I am Munir Lazuzi, a medical device expert specialized on quality and regulatory affairs. My mission is to help you learn how to place a compliant medical device on the market. For that, I'll share with you my experience and the one of others on this podcast. Are you ready for your dose of regulation and standard today? Okay, so let the show begin. Hello, EasyMed Nation. Here it's Munir el from the new episode of the Medical Device Made Easy podcast. And today I want to drive you more on the product development uh, of uh, a medical device. And for that, I have Sean Hamilton that is here to uh, drive us through that. So Sean has a special story for us uh, because he has a special disease and then it didn't stop him to create his own company and to also uh, develop his products. But I will let him tell us more about that. Hey Sean, how are you? Hi, yeah, yeah, I'm doing great, thank you. How about yourself? I'm really, really great. So thank you for accepting the invitation and uh, telling uh, telling more about your story. So first, I want you to introduce yourself, and then we can go through uh, through all the questions. Yeah. Okay. Um, so to introduce myself, um, my name is Sean. I'm from London, London, England. Um, I was born and raised in London. I've lived in many different places over the years, but long story short, I'm a London boy. Yes, I'm half Irish and kind of proud of that fact. Or <laughs> I call myself half Irish, but as my dad's often called me, I'm more of a plastic paddy. Okay. <laughs> um, so that's kind of something that I'm incredibly passionate about. And something that's a big, big passion for me as well is actually medicine, health and technology. So that kind of leads me into what I do, why I do it and how I do it. Really? Right. And uh, you created your own company, I think. What's the name? Yep. My, the company that I actually created is a company called War on Epilepsy. And okay. it's something that officially I started it about a year ago. But it's kind of inception's been about five or six years really in the making. But really, its journey started about nine years ago when my epilepsy actually developed or was okay. believed to have developed. But I'll go a little bit more into that later though. Yeah, so nine years to think about it and to then arrive yeah. to the jump, if I can say, to jump and say, okay, yeah, I'll do something now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. so it's, it's been an interesting journey. It's had a few ups and downs, to say the least, and certainly had a few interesting experiences from spending way too much time in, in and out of hospitals to be on the missing person list twice to literally doing a hospital 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 tour of every hospital in the UK and okay. every ambulance and ambulance service in the UK too. So we but can qualify you as uh, the mystery uh, mystery customer or something like that that you yeah. are testing all the hospitals. <laughs> yeah. You'd 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 think I'd be able to get some sort of loyalty card or some sort of punch card every time I visit visit get a new stamp. Yeah, I imagine. I, I don't think it's the, the best loyalty card that you will do. So, <laughs> but, uh, 
Okay, Shan, uh, just so I have some few questions for you. So um, I know you a bit better now because we had a free talk a few uh, week, a few weeks or a few days ago. Yeah. Uh, and I see that you have always a smile full of energy. So I, I'm, I was asking myself, what is one of the habits or something that you have with your eating in the morning that gives you all this full energy and uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, probably one of the things that always keeps me incredibly happy, actually, has always been my dad's because dad's always been that one person that's actually ingrained it into me. So even when I have those down days and those days where I get really frustrated and really agitated, always try to see the positive, try to stay up as optimistic as possible. In terms of my eating habits and health and healthy eating, to be honest, I don't really eat very healthily. I'm not... <laughs> Not by what most doctors believe anyway, but I have a very high metabolism. So anything I eat, I just burn up anyways. But because Thank of you. one of my conditions, there's certain things that I have to do when I do eat. And I have to kind of, instead of eating three square meals a day, I have to kind of eat in smaller moderations. But so, so always the smile, always the positive energy and junk food. So this is the, your... <laughs> yeah. This is yours. Good. Um, Always the question I ask my guests is, uh, if you had one book to uh, advise people to read, what would it be? Yep. Okay. To be honest, there are more than a few books that I could recommend. And there's one that I've been kind of listening to a lot lately and been reading a lot of. And it's actually written by a friend of mine who I'm connected to on LinkedIn as well. But she's someone that I kind of look a little bit to for inspiration as well, because She has her own medical conditions, but she spent about, I think it was about six or probably about past eight years or so, she's been spending working with different medical device companies. And as a result of some stuff that happened, she had to have organs removed. She had to have organs removed that they later found out that they didn't actually need to remove after she went through this whole process of learning about how medical device how the medical device world worked, how most pharmaceutical companies work. And so she wrote her own book that's called The Patient as CEO, and her name is actually Rebecca Farm Rebecca Farm Farmian. Okay. So patient as CEO, is it that? Yeah, patient as CEO. And it's it's a methodology that I kind of massively believe in that actually that's the way healthcare really should be. It shouldn't be driven by healthcare providers and by doctors who as much as they understand the stuff they don't actually live with the condition every day they've learned the stuff from a textbook but the truth is a textbook won't teach you so much and just with some conditions for example just because you learned it from a textbook doesn't mean that it's going to actually present in exactly the same way as the textbook taught you yeah the truth yeah. is everyone's different everyone's an individual if you go yeah. just dna everyone's dna is different even twins even twins know even identical twins, chances are their DNA is not completely identical. It's identical to such a degree, but there's always distinctive stuff about them that's unique to them as an individual. You can have one twin that will have one condition and another one that should be completely healthy. That's great. Uh, so Patient as CEO, I think yeah. uh, would have a great book to read. So uh, I'll put that on the show notes. Uh, so people have just then to link uh, to, to click yeah. on it and they will get that directly from Amazon uh, if they want to read it. But yeah, I think it's one of my the book that I will put on my on my on my uh, reading list, uh, if I can say as soon as possible. Yeah. Good. Um, Okay, Sean, so 
Now, want you to talk us more about your condition, if I can say your disease and everything, yeah. and then to jump with the transition to your company that you created. So, War on Epilepsy is it this one? Yeah. The name is correct. So, War yeah. on Epilepsy. So, Shan, please tell us. Yeah. Okay. So, long story short, um, when I was much much younger, so when I was a kid, I had several different conditions. So, one of my biggest one of the things that most doctors always believed was my biggest problem was I had problems with my eyes. So I always needed to wear glasses. And I'm actually now back having to wear glasses now. Officially, I'm supposed to be wearing them now, but I don't always do that. But that's a whole separate <laughs> positive for glasses. Well, one of the things that was kind of one of the things I love about glasses now versus when I was a kid. And when I was a kid, there was the massive milk bottle glasses and there was the big bottle things that ah. face and, every, and because I was the smallest kid in the class I was also the shy kid I often got bullied a lot so throughout primary school and into secondary school I got bullied a lot when I got pro probably about year 9 or year 10 in secondary school it's when I started to kind of fight back a little bit but in addition to my eye conditions I had things like asthma I had some other stuff as well, including a heart condition, which then mostly manifested as fainting spells. And it would often happen through if I cut myself and say if I started bleeding, sight of my own blood, or I feel any pain, I then black out. And much of that was put down to a condition that I had when I was a kid, which is called resovagal or resovagal syncope. And that, as I've grown up, that's kind of evolved into the adult version, which is kind of a little bit more advanced, a little bit more intensive. But that kind of represented itself when I turned, after I turned about 19, whilst I was away studying, I got attacked twice in the space of a couple of weeks. First time by not being in the right place at the right time. So a guy, a guy that happened to be the uncle of a guy that I was away studying with and me being as naive as I was at the time, I was the kind of person that I would always try and help everyone, often detriment myself. Even still today, I'm still somewhat like that, even yeah. through some experience. I mean, it's, it's on your DNA, you can change that. So. <laughs> I still try and help people at every opportunity I get and without expecting any kind of remuneration in return. And I've slowly started to learn to try and change that a little bit and to realize that actually, if I'm going to do this, in order to do this, I need to make some money from it. I need to be able to survive. And when, whilst I was away, when I kind of got back from my studying, another kind of heart condition started to present itself. And after about two or three years, when I then met my now cardiologist, who happened to be the first one to pick up on my epilepsy. So when he picked up on it, it was mainly because I had a device because he then actually had a device prescribed to me that was implanted inside my chest. It was actually a medical device that was actually produced by one of the world's leading medical medical device manufacturers and actually has a communication signal powered by one of the world's leading communications brands. And so that, that device would seamlessly contact, back, contact the hospital every night and it would transmit data back that was monitoring my heart rate. One of my heart conditions I would and still do, I have 
where everything just shuts down for about 32 seconds my body just completely shuts down so my cardiologist after scrutinizing some of the data saw that some of the data didn't kind of make sense and thought this doesn't seem right and based on some of the stuff you've told me based on some of the stuff your dad's told me this seems like it's something else so you then started to realize actually some of these fainting episodes aren't simply just fainting so then after reviewing some of the data and after learning how to interpret ECGs as well, and something I never really expected. So at the time, we didn't really know too much about the epilepsy. Epilepsy started to present itself or was believed to start to present itself later. So when I was about 19, after doing many different jobs, from part-time jobs in retail, right way through to full-time work, to actually training as an IT technician, after doing my time training as an IT technician, I then started my first attempt at business. Didn't really know too much about it, so learned some interesting lessons, shall we say, and okay. experienced, experienced both the successes and failures that come with business, but also learned some of what you should do and what you shouldn't do, and when you should scale up and when you shouldn't. I imagine that, yeah, so this uh, this journey until you arrived to your entrepreneurship was not like uh, uh, the best journey of somebody would dream of, if I can say. Uh, it helped you to, me, uh, to yeah. be introduced, if I can say, to the medical device, uh, yeah, medical devices uh, with this, uh, it was a pacemaker or what was it exactly? Yeah, it, it was kind of like early stages of a pacemaker so at okay. the time the device was actually implanted i was actually one of the first patients to get this the, the so new level of this device patient and, zero for that yeah and <laughs> it was really really cool and one of the things that i know my doctor my cardiologist still has on the agenda but he wants to kind of delay it as long as possible because of my age was to get was to actually implant an ICD, so an internal cardiac defibrillator, because when I have my pauses, but he's incredibly hesitant about doing it now because he wants to delay it as long as possible, because both in part because of my age, but also because of my epilepsy as well, which means that when I have a seizure, that's more likely to actually set the defib off as well because it will detect the abnormal activity and think this isn't right, I then start to shock me. So. Um. It's... I really see that. I really see that uh, even if you have those conditions and those things, you you feel like passionate by devices, passionate by those technologies, and even like wanting to try them. Let's try it. Let's try <laughs> do this. Let's try do that. But it's uh, it's really amazing. But what I mean when I when I hear some stories of people that are in the same conditions like you or even worse that yeah. uh, are really um, yeah. The, the only thing is to say, okay, I, this is my condition. I cannot change it, but uh, yeah, I, should, I have nothing else to do. But you were more like, oh, I have a condition. Let's let's make something about it, and let's let's think about how how I can move forward. And yeah. I suppose that your parents or your father helped you a lot, uh, also yeah. to to yeah to to sculpt sculpt if I can say your mindset and to say that. Uh, yeah, it should always be positive. Uh, yeah, there is always an opportunity. I mean, this is what entrepreneur says. It says they want to have to see. They want to have some difficulties because for them it's not problems, it's opportunities. So they see that yeah, in another yeah. way to say it's it's a way for me to to test my knowledge and to test my capacity to to yeah, go yeah. for that. So 
about this transition so meaning that you had these conditions you were kind of passionate about technologies so when did the idea came that you have to make to create this company and to create this the, the product that you, you are developing now to yeah. fight against um, against epilepsy if i can say so how yeah. how, how did this come um the sh- shortest way that it really came about was i actually was actually through a chance approach that i made to someone via linkedin that happened to work for one of the world's leading technology companies and as much as i'd love to say the name i'm probably not going to but okay. I happened to get into them and they actually had a wearable device, which I've actually got on my wrist at the moment. How it all kind of really started out was part of it started out through this technology company that I got into and actually through them, one of the things we started working on, so one of our first projects was actually around using wearable technology and around using the sensors within it to monitor epilepsies to be able to tap tag it together with a smartphone application to understand when someone's having a seizure. And that coupled with the device that I had implanted inside my chest and when I started to learn that that was able to differentiate the difference between a cardiac event and an epileptic seizure. Okay, and so it's really to detect... So. It's really to detect the epilepsy, so meaning that uh, kind of your device... Uh, that you are, you thought uh, the, the the technology you, you you imagined is something that will detect when an epilepsy yeah. is coming is arriving. So the person will will see that on their on their watch or on their on their yeah. device, and they yeah. see that an epilepsy is coming. So is it that? Yeah. yeah, that's kind of partly how it first started out. So it started out where we was working with this technology company and this healthcare IT company coupled a smartphone application with the wearable to monitor seizures and it also and one thing the one kind of seed that really got ingrained into me was actually through a meeting where my dad was actually with me at this meeting and when I was having this conversation with this person that was working in this technology firm when we was having this conversation and they've actually asked me myself and my dad what in an ideal world what could we give you that would give Sean back his independence and his freedom and make you feel and reassure you to know that he's safe. And so my dad kind of made an offhand remark and an offhand joke about, actually, if I could tag him like a dog, then that would probably be amazing and that would probably work. And something in my brain just started turning at that moment. And when things really started to progress with this app as well and the wearable, as we kind of got a few years down and with it, I then started looking at it and thinking, well, as much as this is great, there's things it's not doing yet and there's so much it can do, but this company just doesn't want to do it yet. So I then started to realise, well, because this technology company that I was working with, they set me a challenge to go out and look at every other wearable in the market and try and find a viable consensus to replace their current one because that was going through a process of being discontinued. So then I spent a couple of years looking at different devices, figuring out what could work. And with this idea kind of sat in the back of my mind thinking, okay, I want this function, I want this feature. And so looking at all these other different devices and looking at all these wearables and realizing that they're great for fitness, but they're not really health specific. And unfortunately, most doctors are going to look at them and go, sorry, it's a fitness, it's a fitness tracker. That's not, a wearable, that's not a medical device. 
I can't trust the accuracy of that. So after that and after then making a connection into one of the world's leading banks and for actually as I started to form the company, I then ended up banking with this particular bank and then got introduced to something that they to an amazing program that they created. And actually the bank itself is Barclays. And the program that I got introduced to was actually a thing called the Barclays Eagle Lab. So it's a program that Barclays runs within their business within their banking within their banking business, but it's actually a not-for-profit sat within the bank within the banking business that's designed to help their customers who have amazing innovations and amazing technologies and amazing solutions they want to create. Okay, first, so Barclays, so Barclays yeah. have a kind of a program yeah. where they are, they are financing or helping um, young, if I can say, innovators or young creators like you that want yeah. really to make something uh, on the market, a uh, business, and you just, uh, are you coming with your dossier to somebody uh, to a group of people and they are looking at you and saying yes we are doing that or how is it working um actually how it kind of started out for me was actually where from my for my first appointment with my Barclays business relationship manager from the moment I first started talking about what I wanted to do his face just literally lit up and was like wow this is amazing this would be incredible and at the time we was looking at wearable technology and we was looking at what can we do with it because one of the things that a device does is it actually provides that voice for someone when they can't speak for themselves so okay. if either because of their disability they're uncommunicative or if actually going a step beyond that if for example they're having say on the floor and having say a full-blown tonic chronic seizure if they're on the floor and having a tonic chronic seizure then they're going to be unable to talk to you Although, yes, I have my dad go with me everywhere I go. In an ideal world, I want to get to a stage where he can kind of step back a little bit and where he doesn't have to be with me everywhere, including when I go into the toilet and when I do, and when I go literally everywhere and anywhere. So I want to be able to get to that stage where I can actually go into a toilet on my own, knowing that I'm safe, but also having a device that if I drop and have a seizure, it's going to tell someone around me that, okay, this is what we need to do. This is how we need to do it. And then the other side actually that comes in is actually the prediction. So that's one of the really cool bits about it was actually by compiling all this data and aggregating it and putting it all through our artificial intelligence, our machine learning, it's able to then go, okay, here's the accurate picture. So it then builds a complete health picture. But then because it's getting information from all these different sources, you're getting those second and third layers of accuracy and you're getting that additional credibility, that additional verification that actually two or three devices are all given the same readings, they're all given the same results. And these two or three devices are all from different manufacturers. So then from a healthcare perspective, from a clinician point of view, they're able to look at it and go, well, okay, I've got that validity here, knowing that I've got four or five different manufacturers all providing different devices, all measuring the same sorts of parameters, but they're all given the same readings and they're all given the same results. Now I know to trust them. And then through all of that data as well, it's then also able to help predict. So one of the key features as well is the ability to predict 30 minutes before a seizure. But then also one of the ways we want to get it to the stage of is where it can be, where 
artificial intelligence will be able to train itself to predict that morning. So when you get up in the morning, it will be able to say, okay, based on your behavior, based on your behavior patterns, based on analyzing your diary, your calendar, everything else as well, analyzing your current location, analyzing where you're, where you're going today. So if you've got a meeting, for example, if it's a location where you've previously had an event, because one of the other things it has is a camera as well. So you can actually record events, both from the patient perspective, but also from what's going around them. It's got that ability to interact with witnesses. It's got the ability to interact with all these other different places. The biggest part of all of it is bringing all this different information together, bringing it into one place where it's a simple case of, okay, this is what's going on with my patient. This is how I help them. And then from the patient's perspective, the ability for them to understand it, for them to understand their own condition and giving them some ownership of their own health. So, so I mean, the first yeah. choice is to have always somebody with you so that yeah. you have to, even when you go, when you go to the toilet, you have to be yeah. uh, with some guards or safeguards, if I can say, yeah. or you have to buy five or six medical devices uh, that you have to wear, if I can say, so to help yeah. you, but it's not really accurate. And you are trying now to provide a third solution yeah. where uh, there is mainly one device that yeah. is really helping the patient to be really autonomous, to inform or to alert uh, their yeah, relatives when there is an issue, uh, yeah. to also provide information uh, when you have uh, uh, when you fall down and you have a bad condition or even when yeah. an epilepsy is about to arrive. So it's uh, it's really futuristic, no? It's uh, something that, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, when we say futuristic, I hope it's not so long, but what is your kind of development plan now? Is it, uh, you started, I think you said your company one year ago. So yeah. at which stage you are now? Uh, yeah, okay. We're, we're actually pretty much fast-tracked through much of our development process now. And actually we're starting to produce device and it's actually stepping up its development constantly at the moment so its development is continuing to get better and better and it's continuing to take shape incredibly fast through one of my partners who are actually one of the world's leading communications providers and telecommunications providers they actually introduced me to a manufacturer who are actually not only willing to and prepared to actually help mass manufacture it, mass produce it they've already they're already practically biting my hand off to do it for me. And so we've jumped that step. We've also gone through started going through medical compliance, we're fast tracking through a lot of that. We're doing lots of other elements as well. And actually the device itself is fast gaining momentum, fast again. And within the next couple of months, not only would the device be fully produced and fully manufactured and actually in circulation, but it would have already started its clinical trials. It would then have already be well on the way with its medical compliance. It's going to be something that's actually already going to be out there with patients using it, but we're also going to be introducing a consumer health variant as well because consumer health also helps for clinical trials because then we're also getting that additional data from other sources. Yeah. So getting that control group, which you need for clinical trials anyway. So ideally a clinical a control group of people that don't really have the condition that are supposedly healthy or supposedly fully healthy. Yeah. And the most healthy people you could meet. So you then hook the device up to them, that's them monitoring them, that's them going, okay, this should be a normal baseline. 
And then what, it, what the device also does is from each user, it's able to understand what that person's actual personal baseline is. So it knows what your normal heart rate should be like, what it should peak at. It knows if you're doing particular physical activity, for example, it knows, okay, this is what should be happening. In actual reality, this is what is happening. So it then knows, okay, this is when I need to get help, or this is when I need to do all some stuff. You are parametering, making a, setting up the parameters for specifically yeah. this person, so it's personal parameters in terms yeah. of condition. If it's an old person that has no physical yeah. activity or a young one that has physical activity, yeah. the parameters will not be the same. So it's really this phase of testing or clinical trials, if I can say, is really something yeah. that... Uh, is helping you also to define the profile of people and what they are doing. So mainly yeah. when you are doing that, so uh, will your product will be already CE marked or it will be yeah. lifecycle management? How 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 do you because you talked about the compliance of your device? So how is yeah. this done? Yeah. Okay. So there's actually one one leading provider I got managed to get into over here in the UK and that's BSI and who also started to educate me a little bit on how Brexit's impacting them actually. Yeah, uh, I'll kind of go into that later but one of the big things with them actually was because they're one of the world's leading medical compliance, compliance providers and as it turned out my, my prospective manufacturer who are now kind of chomping a bit to get going, have actually, they was actually a medical compliance provider they was going to introduce me to anyways, but I kind of jumped five or six steps ahead and got in there before they actually introduced me. So when I got in there, when I started talking to BSI or BSI group, when I started talking to them, they was like, actually, we love this. And by the way, with MDR coming in place in March, what we'd love to do is we'd love to help you get ready for that and to try and help you fast track through it so you then have the CE mark and so that then you can go out and not just make a claim that you're actually a medical device, but you actually be a medical device. So it then means even whilst it's going through its clinical trials, it can still actually be a medical device. But uh, as we are now talking about that, so we are now in February, March, uh, yeah. Brexit arrives on the 29th of March. I think you are in the UK. So yeah. do you have a plan or what is exactly your yeah. plan for that? Yeah. On, on that note, officially, it's supposed to arrive on the 29th of March, but I know, actually, as I found out today, it's been kind of delayed a little bit because oh, really? they're trying to have their own little negotiation to try and delay it a little bit. But it's something I've been looking at and thinking about for a while, and one of my contingencies, actually, is establishing our R&D base of operations in Ireland. So actually how so once the device is actually a bit more ready, once it's then started to be mass produced, once it's starting to really be mass produced, once we're going through the clinical trials, actually establishing a sister operation over in Ireland that's then actually that's then our European base of operations. Okay. So that then it's English speaking as well. But then also so we can then also have another office over in mainland Europe, so particularly in France, for example. So then, then you then have international speaking, but then you then, by also having an operation in Ireland, for example, the biggest part about that is they have huge incentives for medical devices and for medical tech. 
but also they are actually home to many of the world's leading pharmaceutical companies. As I've said, for for me, uh, I mean, when I when I'm hearing you, so you are the kind of patient that uh, knows all the conditions and all the situation and all the problems, and you try now to pick all those things and you say, okay, let's put that in one device. So as you said, it's uh, the health condition, the body condition plus the mental condition. So all this, how can I? Yeah put everything on a device, I suppose it will be version one and you will have version two or three when yeah. you will have more things to include. Uh, yeah. I think it's really creating some kind of great um, device. I hope it, I mean, I suppose it will help a lot of people. So are you targeting now specifically UK or you are targeting really all Europe or you are targeting worldwide? Yeah, um, my ambition is to go worldwide and actually one particular area definitely interested in actually is the developing world as well so where you can't really get access to world-class healthcare so how do we bring world-leading experts from here in Europe for example to patients out in the remote parts of Africa or after say for example you've had say you have another tsunami let's say you have another tsunami in someone like Thailand for example if you have a tsunami for example and you've got patients out there that already have other conditions that might have epilepsy for example that they can't get access to the necessary expertise anyways but after a natural disaster for example any any access to healthcare is already going to be massively impacted by that factor same with in particularly in war-torn nations and in many other places like that as well but then also coming back to the developing world so here in europe So although we're starting out here in the UK and then expanding progressively into Europe, the aim is to go global. And that's our ultimate ambition is to be able to go global, to be able to reach everyone around the world. Because there are 65 million people with epilepsy around the world. Okay. The goal is to be able to put one on the arm of every patient. That's great. And uh, so I hope... Uh, that uh, when you will uh, go in uh, live phase and you have some first results, we can have a yeah. second episode of the podcast yeah. to talk more about that and see what was your progress. After that, uh, Brexit will be live. So we'll see also yeah. this has an impact uh, to your development, to your expansion, or maybe if you have already a solution, but I, I, apparently you are already thinking ahead. So just yeah. already planning uh, what you will do, how you will uh, put some strategy. I see some companies that are not doing that. So you are already uh, ahead of, of competition, maybe. Yeah. Uh, so um, is there anything else that you want to tell people? Because one thing that, as I've said, is, is really interesting for me is your energy and your passion for all this technology for um, using the, I mean, using, taking the information from the disease that you have to also translate that to a device and then to try to help as much people as possible. So is there anything, any other message that you want to, to tell people? Yeah, okay. Probably one of the biggest things would actually be around technology, for example. So for, so for example, to tell people that really shouldn't ever be afraid of technology. And even with data, where we are getting into a world where everything's a lot more data-centric and... At the end of the day, we as human beings are human data factories. That's the way healthcare is going, whether people like it or not. It's the future of healthcare. It's something that even the British government are finally 
woke up to and realised that that's something they have to take on board. European governments are starting to realise it. US and, for example, Canada were one that were some of the earliest, and particularly the Middle East, for example, have already started to adopt that and have started realising that data is the way forwards. But it's not just data, it's things like artificial intelligence. And also realise and actually trying to dispel that myth that AI is going to replace jobs. Truth is, it isn't. It's not. It's also not going to replace doctors. It's going to become a great companion for doctors, and that's the way that it should always be viewed. Is artificial intelligence, machine learning, technology, data, all of this are great assets for doctors, for clinicians, for so many other people as well. So for social care, for governments, and when used correctly, they can actually bring about change. So for example, for places like the World Health Organization, as they've realised data is a huge asset because not only does it help understand population health but it also helps understand so much other stuff too and that's one of the most important points is understanding that technology should not be your enemy it should actually yeah. be a friend no, it's and great because it's, it's exactly what i'm saying also on this podcast it's uh i think people need to understand all that uh, if they want to put in place the right regulation or if you they want to interpret the regulation in the right way. If you are yeah. just reading text without knowing really the, the technologies, we are a bit failing. So it's important for them to learn, to understand, to not be afraid of technology, but to adopt it, if I can say, to yeah. really That's learn to use it. So it's really a, a way to, to support to support the patients. So just one thing. So now if people want to still continue to talk to you or follow up with you or ask you questions, where yep. can they meet you or can they catch up to with you? Yep, okay. So my, t- my Twitter handle is Sean Prenner. So at Sean Prenner. Sean Prenner. Wow, it's yeah, like entrepreneur, it. but it's Sean Prenner. Great. <laughs> exactly. I'm, I'm a new category in love myself. Exactly. It's what I wanted to say. <laughs> and um, my other, my business's Twitter handle is at War and Epilepsy. Okay. You can also find me on LinkedIn as well. So I'm Sean Hamilton on LinkedIn. And literally, if you if you search me on LinkedIn, you'll find me as what I call myself. I'm a health techpreneur and health and, med- health and medical tech entrepreneur and I have lots of other stuff on there as well but literally as soon as you, as soon as you search my name on LinkedIn you'll probably I come up like one of the top in the list anyways so no problem. and my company website is warandepilepsy.com so Shen Hamilton on LinkedIn, you will find him first and yeah. War on Epilepsy is his company so Thank you, Sean. It was really a great talk. So thank you for driving us through all this uh, this journey that you had, as you, as I said, from your disease uh, to creating a device that is supporting people that have the same disease. So it's really, really interesting. And I hope, as I said, I will have you on, an, on a future episode when your uh, ID will be more uh, in the market and see if there is uh, anything that you are thinking now of version two or even showing us exactly more about version one. So it will be really interesting. Yeah, and funny enough, the device should actually be, it's already fast gaining momentum. It will be produced within the next couple of months, so it will be on people's arms. It's already pr- practically produced now, but we're just kind of working out all the, t- all the kinks. But within the next couple of months, we'll start to also see it appearing on 
shop shelves as well. Right. So we'll so follow that, and exciting. I will follow that with. Uh, I will call, I will ask you again and follow uh, follow with you. Okay. So thank you, Sean, and uh, then I wish you a nice day. Thank you. You too. Bye. Bye. Shem, thank you for your positivity, thank you for your enthusiasm, and I hope a lot of people will follow you and follow your journey. Okay, it's the end of this episode. Uh, don't forget, keep learning, uh, share this episode and share this podcast with the people that want to learn medical device regulation and standards, and I'll see you on the next episode. So thank you very much and have a good day. Bye.